Welcome to the Waffle Shop Podcast with me, Taylor James. This is the podcast that gets people waffling about their mental health, coping mechanisms, life's minor inconveniences, and the music that soundtracks it all. So join me as I open up shop and have a waffle. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to another episode of the Waffle Shop podcast today i'm joined by author like expert podcast extraordinaire it's emma guns welcome to the waffle shop well thank you so much you've also promoted me because um as much as i may be in the future i'm not yet an author so i don't want to uh i don't want to sort of um have this idea that there might be a book out there but yes all of those other things are absolutely 100% correct and thank you for the introduction <laughs> well, we started off the call talking about star trek so i felt like we're weirdly on the future so maybe it's all <laughs> yes. into, together we know something <laughs> that no one else knows because we have we've been future gazing with a little bit of time travel before we hit record <laughs> exactly that's what we that's what as podcasters do we like to dabble in time travel yeah, it's it goes. It's part of the job. Not a lot of people know that. No, well, we, you know, come on here and like, just spill all our. I was about to say spill the spill our beads. Not spill. Yeah, spill the secrets. Spill our guts. Spill, spill our guts. Well, I hope we don't spill your guts. Isn't that the expression though? Spill your guts. I don't know. We're great with words. Well, yeah, we're great. <laughs> <laughs> we're off to our flying stuff. Excellent. This is going to be fantastic. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> I think they're probably used to it by now. <laughs> yeah. The stuff that comes out of my mouth, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but I do start, however, each one of my shows with something called the weekly waffle, which is something that's quite minor, that gets on my nerves, that once I've spoken to my guests, it makes me feel a little bit better. And then obviously it's a safe space. So if you feel, you know, you want to get involved, feel free. However. What's your weekly this- waffle? This one is, I mean, you know, you're from that kind of world of like beauty, like wellness. And like you, you know, you've, you've kind of seen a lot in that kind of, <laughs> in that world, I imagine. <laughs> See, from the future, I can predict these things. <laughs> um, but 
the other day I went for a spa float, which I've never been to before. Like it was something really kind of that I've always wanted to try. A float- flotation I- therapy. Yeah. 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 It was literally, it was like, like sensory, like deprivation. Like I've mm. never experienced anything like it before. And I was really excited about it. And I was speaking to a friend about my experience and they were like, why did you do that for? And it was like, then I felt like I had to over share. Explain, yeah. Yeah. And I just felt like it kind of really annoyed me a little bit because I was just like, why, if something works and we want to try something new and stuff, why are we having to over-explain like, why we want to do something? Like, it put a smile on my face. That should be it. Well, that's that's your, I, I would I would offer that perhaps, because I do exactly the same thing. <sighs> I have a really good time doing something and then I might tell someone else. And because their reaction isn't the reaction I would like, yeah. I then question myself and I'm like, oh, yeah. and then I start justifying it. And actually part of the journey is being very self-contained in what you like mm. and what you don't like and other people's opinions of it, not impacting yeah. that sense of what you like, what you don't like. But that's a really difficult thing to do. Um, it's because yeah. it, you do kind of feel like, oh, maybe I didn't enjoy it then. You start like all those self-doubt feelings start like creeping in and you're like, well, no, I, I enjoyed it. So that's what I'm thinking with is if you don't like it, that's your problem. You haven't even yeah. tried it. <laughs> yeah, just just, oh. yeah, it's it's your thing. Sometimes like, yeah, it's just I've tried that before and I thought it was an absolutely incredible experience. Yeah, because it is you don't the only other place that you can have that experience is in space. It's the only wow. when you're in a flotation tank. So for listeners who might not be aware, you are in a shallow tank, a, mm. a, a tank with which is filled with water, not a dangerous amount, but tons yeah. and tons of Epsom salts. So essentially you float. And what you can do is you can just completely relax and you are fine. You're not going to sink. You're not going to drown. You're not going to get any water in your eyes yeah. or in your mouth. And what it does is it takes gravity off your body mm. entirely so your joints your all nothing there is absolutely no so pressure <laughs> on your body at all and the first time you go for one of those treatments your brain doesn't know what to do because it's like hang on a minute i'm i what and so it gets very very loud you start thinking about chewing Chaotic. gum that you ate when you were seven <laughs> wondering about whether the kettle is still boiling like, lots of really random <laughs> thoughts come in but if you stick with it you can once you get into like your third or fourth mm-hmm. one I think that's when you ascend. I don't know if you've ever seen the film. Um, was it? Is it the Covenant with Sebastian Stan? Stan. But anyway, yes. They all, yeah. Yes. They all, yeah. It's, it's terrible, but it's amazing. But <laughs> they all ascend. They they're all quite witchy, and they ascend at a certain point. It's like with with flotation therapy. I think it can be quite a personal, private experience, and one can have a really incredible sort of like between consciousness experience yeah. if you want. That sounds it's very- so severe. Thank you. It's deep. Yeah, like that was good. No, I enjoyed that. Did no, you? it was good. Yeah. Oh, gosh, thank you. Like it really summed up my experience. Thank you. Oh, good, good. <laughs> it was. I would recommend it to anyone. It. Uh, I can't explain like the sensation of like, op- the like the sensation of opening your eyes, but seeing the same thing as if they were closed. Mm. It's so strange. But uh, yeah, the clarity it gave me. Like I've woke up today feeling all like. <laughs> when did you do it? it did you do it in the last yesterday <laughs> oh my god i mean yeah it, it yeah it's an incredible it's a really it's an experience that you it's difficult to describe it because yeah. you don't and it's it's actually if anyone's listening to this and they're in their third trimester it's really good if you are uncomfortable during pregnancy i used to when i was on wow. magazines 
when if colleagues of mine were pregnant and they were struggling with like aches and pains and things like that I would often send them to flotation because it takes the pressure off and so you yeah. and the baby can move around move. a bit and get a bit more comfortable I love this kind of these kind of <laughs> conversations really like like fire me up I'm just like because you don't know until you like you you open up about this kind of stuff that you actually learn yeah. things that's really interesting but back yeah. to the moaning part is there anything that gets on your nerves <laughs> that you'd like to share yeah there today? is <laughs> well there are a lot of things that um get on my nerves actually and so okay I'm going to give a broad answer and then I'm going to drill down into the thing that annoys me okay so I'm on this podcast because I've talked about my mental health a lot and I definitely got to a, a point in the way that I used to think where I was like the world is a bad place everyone's horrible if I yeah. set foot out of my front door like everyone's a dickhead and I, I would I, I had this very negative filter over my eyes and everything annoyed me everything yeah. that anybody did I didn't see any good intention coming from anywhere and part of my recovery if you like is choosing to see well that might have been with good intention or that might have been a mistake or what if this stranger becomes a really good friend as opposed yeah. to what if that stranger nicks my handbag so it's a it, it, yeah. and it doesn't happen overnight. It's a very sort of gentle shift. That it's a significant shift, but you have to do it very gently because you can't just go out one day and be like John Travolta strutting down the yeah. street. Yeah, <laughs> be like, yeah, everyone's really cool. <laughs> it, it starts with a very small thing of like saying to your hello to your barista every morning and asking how they are. Whereas yeah. before you might have thought, oh, are they going to hear me? Are they going to get my order right? And which is what I used to do. Like, oh, yeah. they're going to get my order wrong. Not because I thought they were, but because that was just my mind was very very negative. So bringing it back to what really bugs me, it's um, people beeping their horns unnecessarily in their cars. Yes. Because it's an outward expression of anger that 90% of the time isn't required. If you're like doing a beep, beep, you're about to reverse into me, fair dues. But if you're doing a wanker, you just yeah. got in my way, <laughs> then... Um, I think that to me, when I hear car beeping and you can tell when it's just, it's, it's, it comes from that place of trying to tell somebody off. For me, that's just a very loud cacophony of not dealing with what's in front of you very well. Yeah. And I had a, I was in a taxi uh, last year, actually lovely taxi driver. And on the way there, a car pulled out in front of him and was just, and it was a really, it was a definite error on the other driver's part. Yeah. And he was uh, a taxi driver, been driving taxis for a very long time. And about five minutes later, I said, I know this is going to sound really weird, but I really appreciate the fact that even though he was catastrophically in the wrong when there could have been an accident mm. there, you didn't beep your horn. And he said, oh, I learned many, many years ago, you never do that because it, it it stays with you. Don't don't share your anger with anyone else and don't let anyone, else anger, anyone else's anger in. And I thought, you, my friend, wow. are my new mentor. So it's just a thing when I hear it, to me, I think if you just took that beat to think about whether you needed to beat the horn, yeah. half the time you didn't, I would imagine. That's a good one. I, I actually <laughs> really enjoyed that. Okay, thank you. No, because it, it is though, isn't it? And I think you can apply it not just to, because it always makes me jump. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a very nervous Are you person. an HSP? Are you a highly sensitive person? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, well, do no. you? No, I am. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, same. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um but it is there like you can apply it to that very as like every other aspect of your life 
can't you? Like, you know, you don't just respond, like take that moment to kind mm. of like to breathe before you respond because it can drastically change the outcome of what comes next. Absolutely. And one of my favorite authors is Jackie Collins. And I remember when I first started reading her books, observing that there's like, obviously every author has things that are sort of unique to them or that you notice a lot in their work. Yeah. And she talks about characters taking a beat and I'd never heard it before. Like, and it would always be before something really catty or like <laughs> significant came out of their mouth, but she's like, something would be said and it was like, lucky Santangelo took a beat. <laughs> and I actually, I'd never really thought about that, about actually there's a, I think we are so conditioned to, it's really impressive to be quick, to have a quick response, to be quick witted. Yeah. But actually you can say a lot that you, not necessarily that you don't mean, but you can say a lot in that beat that you should have been silent, that maybe the consequences of are stuff that you can't handle. <laughs> <laughs> it's those things because once you've like, once you've said it, you can't take it back. Toothpaste out of the tube. Yeah. But it's literally, it's that kind of thing of like, you know, taking that moment is actually a response in itself. Yeah. Yeah. My God, look at this. Look at what's happening. I know. <laughs> God, I wasn't, not that I wasn't expecting it, but I can feel all like, oh God, we're actually good at this. <laughs> I think it, but do you know what? I think it's just it, when you are doing what you're doing, when you're mm. doing what I'm doing, I think you have to notice those things because that's how yeah. you recover, isn't it? And that's how you don't it's backslide true. into where you were before. So you have to take note of these things and yeah. reframe them and sort of look at them in a way and, and, uh, appreciate them i agree i agree yeah. <laughs> so before we get on because obviously you are the host of the incredible the emma gun show it's a podcast that it's the even the snippets for me are so thought-provoking there was one that you did recently in regards to anxiety and it really kind of stopped me in my tracks but before we get to all of that i want to kind yeah. of talk about the journey getting to that point because obviously you were an editor like you you know you throw yourself into like the world of words growing up was that something that you always wanted to do because I always find it like really interesting how like how the journey leads you to like the certain careers or the path that you're on now and stuff like that so when you were growing up was that always kind of like what you wanted to do I wanted to well yes and no I wanted to be glamorous and when I was growing up so a lot of the female protagonists in films in the 80s and 90s yeah. worked in marketing or advertising or in magazines and so I thought well I'll, I'll do that because yeah. if I go there then I'll be glamorous and I'll be sorted and I'll be people will want to be me and and I'll be close to celebrities and if I'm near celebrities then that will mean that I'm really important too I mean yeah. it was the worst motivation <laughs> it was like narcissistic and terrible <laughs> But it came from a place of feeling very invisible and very yeah. like knowing that as a fat, spotty, very hirsute teenage girl, I was not ever going to get picked for the glamorous life. Yeah. And so I sort of very when you think about the psychology of it, it's very obvious why I thought that way. But it also 
is quite an unhealthy way of thinking yeah. to think, okay, well, I will find my validation and it will be an exter- it will be all external and it will be about what I do, who I'm with and what I look like. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. It's, it's, a, it's, to- it's, a, it's a difficult place to be in though, isn't it? Because it's quite difficult to get out of. <laughs> yeah, well, totally. And so, but I wasn't clever enough to become a journalist. So I'm, I must've been about 14 years old or something like that when I said at school I wanted to be a, I want to be a journalist I mean crying out loud Lois Lane like this incredible <laughs> journalist like I mean and she was going out with Superman so obviously I wanted to be a journalist and I just remember a teacher saying oh you're never going to get the grade you need to get like A's and B's and get into Reading Ooh, and all of okay. the big amazing universities and that's not going to happen for you and quite right too I didn't apply myself at school I was very distracted I was obviously when I look back now it's like clearly operating on low level anxiety and elements of depression growing pains all of those things as a very confused angry didn't really know how to express myself teen and all I wanted to do was be a backing singer with Guns N' Roses my god I wanted to sing Knocking on Heaven's Door behind Axel my god and I would be so happy That's made me really happy. <laughs> Even just yeah. hearing it. That's 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 good. I love. And and I yeah, I just want I wanted I remember like being asked in an English lesson once by a teacher. Um we were all I mean this is an all girls school. Do you want to have kids? And or not do you want to have kids? It was how many children do you want to have and what yeah. what what like combination of kids. And I remember saying, "Oh, I don't want to have children because you can't really take them on tour." <laughs> <laughs> And Brilliant. I'm sure they were just looking at me thinking, God, that's, I'm sure, where that's did not going to happen for me. <laughs> but I was living in this fantasy world of I wasn't happy in my life. So yeah. I actually was more present in M- in MTV and in my so-called life and watching TV shows. Wow. I was way more emotionally present in a reality that didn't exist than I was in my own life. It was kind of like a displacement, a disconnection, if you yeah. like, which I can look back and sort of see now. But at the time, you just you just don't know. And so I resigned myself to the fact that I wasn't going to become a journalist. And I don't know how I really felt about that, but I think with anything, you just kind of get on, don't you? And fast forwarding, I was left university, got in by the skin of my teeth, did a degree. And I feel bad saying this now because it's so tough and so expensive uh, with university. But back when I was uh, (laughs) um, in days of yore, you uh, it, it wasn't that that challenging to get in and, and do yeah. a, a degree but um I feel terrible like that anyway <laughs> I got a sales job and I was earning decent money for a graduate and I just remember a couple of events happened and I just thought but if this is it this is terrible and yeah. I don't want to do this and the building that I worked in was owned by a guy called Richard Desmond who owned OK Magazine among many other titles. He subsequently went on to buy the Express newspapers and had a massive raft of of, uh, titles. But OK Magazine was his baby. And so I would, we were on the ninth floor, they were on the second floor and every morning I'd get in the lift and I would punch two and nine because I'd want to just open the doors and be like, imagine if I walked out. Anyway, I decided to leave my job, knew the girls on reception really well, had made friends with them, always talked about beauty products with them. And they were like, do you want us to put a good word in with you and the editor? I was like, yes, please. Yes. <laughs> but it was about two years later, I went away, worked on local newspapers, um, did a postgrad in journalism and said, look, can you, is there any way you get me a work experience? And then about, I did four, four stints of work experience on the fourth one. I was actually covering for the editor's PA. 
uh, while she was on holiday and the beauty editor resigned and they said, do you want the job? And I was like, do I? And wow. so it was, it was, it was very fairy tale, and it yeah. was this incredible, it was an incredible kind of, I got my dream job. Do you, it, with, with, <laughs> with that kind of stuff, like, do you believe in like manifestation? No. Because that kind of stuff, like if you, I mean, I, I don't believe in it either. Like I don't, I feel like it's a bit hocus pocus kind of do you not believe in it because i said no so emphatically or do you not believe in yes yes because i have literally you're you're my idol now ever (laughs) (laughs) no i just i just i don't i feel like a lot of this kind of stuff comes with like hard work determination and kind of like owning your craft and stuff like that that's what i believe gets you to where you want to be or who you want to be i mean obviously yeah everyone obviously deals with very different things but I just don't understand how kind of speaking something out into the universe will then give me that. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm obviously, I'm very different. Like, everyone believes what they want to believe. Hmm. Um, but to me, you answered the question. Next question. Well, no, but, but, if I, but if I may, the reason why I said no so emphatically is because hmm. I am very bothered by all of the things out there that wrap themselves up as being helpful yeah. and aren't. And I think manifestation is something that is predominantly aimed at women. If you look at the way things are at the moment in terms of self-help and health yeah. and well-being, and you look at how it's marketed to men, it's like, oh, protein shake. Oh, we're going to yeah. live forever. Strength train. Oh, <laughs> I sleep two hours a day and I have a coffee and then I have a nap for 15 seconds and then I'm revived. And it's like, What? And then you look at what's packaged at women and it's pink, it's fluffy, it's crystals, it's pink yeah. into the lot. And it's just so disempowering but yeah. for, for both genders, but it's just so disempowering. I believe that saying what you want or understanding and having clarity about a goal is great. So if that's what manifestation has as its core, then yeah, I'm totally aligned with that. But I think that you then have to work really damn hard, get really good at what you want to do. You have to network. You also have to be really reflective and say, right, am I good at this? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? There's so much that goes behind that just saying, like, if I said I want to, I don't know, win Wimbledon, it's just, it simply isn't going to happen. doesn't matter how much I, and it doesn't matter how many times I pick up a tennis racket. (laughs) I have to, I have to, do you know what I mean? You have to put the work in, yeah. You have to put the work in. And I think- there's this sort of, and again, coming back to films in the 80s and 90s, I think there was this this sort of trend for people who were innately brilliant at something who need, just needed their opportunity to shine and then it yeah. would all be fine. And that's great in a film, but it's not, it's, it isn't it's real, not real life. Yeah. And so you could be naturally good at something. Christina Aguilera is an incredible singer. Like she has the most wonderful vocal range. Lady Gaga, incredible singer, yeah. incredible vocal range. But I mean, one of the things I like to do in my spare time is watch vocal coaches react to singing on YouTube. <laughs> and when you watch I'm something... the same person. I know. <laughs> I know when when it's do... live performances and they're like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. That was a choice. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but when you hear a vocal coach say, OK, if you take these two performances of the same song five years apart, you can see that this that Lady Gaga has worked really, really hard on her voice because the way that she's it's so much stronger now because she's using a different technique and that i think the idea that you're just you're just amazing and it just happens is 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 really it's really dangerous yeah 
I don't want to just, I don't want to project onto people. You know what, if you want something, it's going to be really tough work and toil and it's going to be really difficult and it's blood, sweat and tears. There is obviously a sweet spot in between, but I yeah. just, I feel this sort of serving up this. If you want it, you can have it. The universe will give yeah. it to you. Like, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't work. That. And to be fair, though, and I'm, I'm going to kind of, I'm like, it's again, just obviously it's personal opinions, but I'm, I'm backing up everything that you just said. Um, because as much as obviously we've just kind of condensed that journey to get into that like edit, editor position, I imagine there was a lot of, you know, difficult times. There was a lot of like, am I doing the right thing? There's the self-doubt, all those kind of things that probably weaved all the way through to that point. And I feel like it's that kind of journey that I'd be more proud of those hard times and those kind of obstacles rather than standing there saying, oh, I manifested this. Because that right? to me says like, well, oh, I, well, I can do anything if I just speak about it. like, no, you put the hours in, you did the hard work, you got yourself to that point. Yeah. And that, that, that to me is far more admirable and kind of proud worthy, I guess, than the whole manifestation conversation. A hundred percent. And actually, I would say this, I'm under no illusion that actually that was quite, there was friction to get that mm. job. But it was quite smooth and I shouldn't yeah. on paper, I should not have I should not have been given that job. The reason I got it fundamentally is because I would do it for a lot less than anyone else. Yeah. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. But actually, what that then meant, I think, is that it was quite a difficult job for yeah. in this. OK, no, I'm going to when I did it, it was like I'd always done it. I felt very much like this, this is where I'm supposed to be. That's fine. But yeah. I think because I always felt like there was a sort of Damocles hanging over my head yeah. that I shouldn't really by rights have this job. I put a hell of a lot of pressure on it and almost sort of self-sabotaged it the entire time. Yeah. Which How do you do you <laughs> see I've I experienced this when it comes to like the whole podcast world like you kind of there's a constant conversation about comparison and all that in every aspect of your life every aspect of career um like everyone kind of feels it at like different levels when you got that job was there anything like that like uh are they gonna f you know find out that i might not be able to do this like how did you well, no, i mean i'm not gonna put words into your mouth like they obviously you might not have felt like that but how did you navigate like through that kind of self-sabotage and you know those thoughts yeah that's really interesting i think because the team there i i had built up a relationship with and they knew me yeah. i didn't really have any um of that within the office there were definitely people in the office who didn't want me to get the job because I was the work experience girl who definitely shouldn't have got the job. Yeah. But I'm I am pleased to say, I think I proved to them relatively quickly that even though they might think I'm a knobhead, yeah. <laughs> I I was a, I was capable of doing the job. 
I think where I struggled, but I I didn't have a mentor. So my yeah. job was, was very outward facing appointments all the time. And I had no clue on how to have appointments with PRs and people. Yeah. And so I would go to things and I, I actually, I remember the first ever lunch I went to, I thought I had a lunch hour. So I was like, well, I've got to get there and be back within an hour because that's a lunch yeah. hour, right? Because I was so green. I didn't know that, no, if you've got lunch, you go to the lunch. And if it's four hours, it's four hours. Because that to me was ridiculous. Oh, wow. like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah. So I walked to this lunch because I didn't know I could expense taxis and I didn't have any money. So already that's half an hour. So I get there. I'm like, <laughs> I can only be here for 10 minutes. So by the time I leave, they're like, this new beauty editor is so rude. She turned up hot, sweaty barely wanted to sit down, didn't make conversation with anyone, kept looking at her watch. Cause I thought the editor's going to be waiting for me, tapping her watch going, where yeah. have you been? Where have you, I didn't understand. So I had a lot of that going out and doing appointments <laughs> of just not really understanding how to navigate it. But unfortunately what happened is I got quite a brittle exterior as a result. I became uh, okay. quite, instead of, instead of being there, I don't know what I'm doing. I just went very brittle as if to say, well, I'm not going to let on that I don't have a clue. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to think that I'm doing absolutely fine. So I actually became quite closed off, which isn't in my nature. Yeah. Um. So that was a, yeah, that was something that I had to break down. I find it so interesting, these kind of conversations to how people kind of get through that and get to that point. Obviously, after that, then, obviously, you're now like a freelancer and like you're at, how, because I imagine... In a weird way, again, I'm not going to put what do but was that like a dream job? Like what people would label as a, like the dream job? Beauty editor of OK Magazine. There yeah. were a million girls who would have done it. A million girls who would have done it. And that is why the sort of Damocles is always hanging over my head because you yeah. always knew that someone else could maybe swoop in. There was always that thing of, and because I got the job quite easily, when you think about it, yeah. I was the work experience girl. I mean, yes, there was the the giving up the well-paid the well-paid job at the time. There was working for local newspapers. There was going and doing a postgrad and all of the sort of sacrifices that came yeah. with doing that. Fundamentally, I knew that I was very lucky to get that job, to be in the right place at the right time. Mm. So I always had that sense of if I got it like that, I could lose it like that. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's so, quite a difficult yeah. cloud to have over you as well, isn't it? Yeah, and I was there for nearly 10 years. So it really, it was a really, by the end, it was a very, very big, big angry thunderclout. <laughs> you mentioned there about like it coming to like the end. Like what kind of sparked that next kind of step for you into that kind of, you know, into, I guess, like kind of like what you're doing now? I think it was just one of those things where I very much stayed there much longer than I should have done. Yeah. I wanted to move. But it was very, the thing is as well is that when I started, okay, was somewhat prestigious, but by the time I left, it had definitely sort of, um, it had moved okay, quite firmly yeah. into a more of a tabloid space. So when I was trying to get beauty editor jobs on other titles, the editors, I had an editor actually say to me, uh, I know you're capable of doing this job, but I can't have that announcement go out. I can't have the announcement that I've hired the girl from okay. Yeah. And I was like, oh, sh oh, crikes. Okay. Well, that's that then, isn't it? So... I went freelance and it was completely the right time. And I yeah. actually took voluntary redundancy because I couldn't, I couldn't actually do it anymore. Yeah. And it had, it was, I know I'm, I will put my hands up and say, I became a toxic part of the part of the 
workplace but it was a toxic workplace yeah and it was just like it's it's time it really is time to go yeah so there was that but also I just think I remember when I worked on local newspapers and bearing in mind I needed that for a couple of years you sort of get to that thing of oh god I've got to do that story again or it's that Christmas festival or it's that thing and this is going to sound so awful but I remember like (laughs) year six thinking Oh, Elton's white tie again. And <laughs> just being fatigued <laughs> by the thing that when I started, I was so like, is there any way I and yeah. I within my first three months, one of the first big jobs I did was stand on the door and take names at Elton John's white tie and tiara party. It's like I was standing in Wood Madame Tussauds and everyone yeah. was speaking. <laughs> oh my god, these people. It was move. insane. <laughs> but then after a while it was just like, Oh yeah, that again. <laughs> and you just yeah. think it's it's some it's like take that once said, it's someone else's dream. It was time, it really was. I think you age out of a job like that as well. I really do. And I think it was just, it was time. I think it's it's very interesting, isn't it? Because you kind of get to that point with every aspect of your life that you kind of get like the spark has kind of gone and Mm. it's like, okay, I need, I need something more. And I feel like a lot of people, and I'm speaking from personal experience, I got to that stage of like, there's got to be more out there. Like I need, I need an adventure. I need a little bit of a, I need to be challenged. So where I feel like a lot. Where were you and why? Where were you and when did you start thinking like that? See, to be fair, I was working in IT before, but then obviously I, I'm not too sure how much you know. But then my mom had an operation that went horrendously wrong, which has now led her into um, requiring 24-hour care in a, a neurological care home. So with that came a lot of kind of, you know, trauma, and mm. I kind of got to a stage with it all that I was just like didn't want to continue living my life the way it was being lived that's not saying like I didn't want to be here like at all it just got to a stage where I was like right I need to do something if I don't make that step now if I don't get out of my comfort zone I'm scared about what's gonna come next and it was the fear I guess of living the rest of my life that way that kind of caused me to be like I I, I need to do something else and then obviously now it was the best decision I ever made because now I'm, well, I'm sat here talking to you this morning. <laughs> so it's, you know, and it's that kind of like, you don't know what's out there until you take that little bit of a leap. Like there is nothing wrong with trying to better yourself or challenging yourself or, you know, well, more importantly, getting yourself out of your comfort zone. Cause that, that's when the fun stuff starts. Yeah. It's such, it's such a good point. It is such a good point. And last year I had probably one of my, my most difficult years since. Yeah since coming back from depression and anxiety and it's because I knew I had to make changes and change is difficult and I spent a lot of last year think like almost like head in my hands going what are you doing you were okay what the hell is wrong with you you (laughs) idiot but I like exactly as you're saying yes okay it was comfortable but it was I was I was it wasn't at the same time yeah and I and so I had to make changes but it's it's hard but yeah Look at you now. Look at us now. I know. Yeah. Look at us now. <laughs> Who'd have thought it? Eh? <laughs> you Should we do that. hot wings? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I'd love to. I'd love to. That's each one of my favorite. Th- I feel like we're the same person. I feel like we are the same person. <laughs> Should we just share a YouTube account? I want basically like vocal coaches, videos of Grogu, videos of Pedro Pascal, and hot ones. It's just like all I watch. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to respond to that. Yeah. Like, no, but if we're like, we have the same algorithm <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> um, 
you mentioned then about like kind of like the anxiety and depression and obviously it's a very difficult conversation to have but it's also obviously a very powerful conversation to have with that did that kind of lead into the podcast to kind of learn how other people navigate that kind of thing or was that just like a just a personal journey that you went on like has it kind of filtered out into other aspects of your life and career yeah so I didn't really that's a really good question by the way and I the truth of it is I started the podcast I actually had the idea for the podcast about nine months before I recorded the first episode and my brother who was a very good artist had like done a little logo for me on a piece of paper he'd also drawn Deadpool next to it which I hadn't requested (laughs) but there we go um so I've I've still got that somewhere um (laughs) I'd had this idea, but I wasn't because actually it's probably the first thing I was doing on my own. Yeah, it was actually and it, and I'm so I was so worried about people laughing at me, criticizing me, minimizing my experience by like you, you and your flotation. I really enjoyed mm. flotation. Did you? Why did you do that? When I first used to say to people, I'm starting a podcast, they'd be like, why would people listen to that? You do beauty. It's visual. Yeah, it was just immediately shot dismissed. down. Yeah, completely shut down and dismissed. And there were other things going on in my personal life at the time. And I was very much coming very close to like a breaking point. Yeah. A breaking point that was really required because essentially what I, so I started the podcast, but about, I don't know, six, six months in, I think I properly had a breakdown. Wow. But what I hadn't realized, so I started a podcast because I was listening to Tim Ferriss and I was listening to Joe Rogan. Now we're talking about back in 2015, 2016, when they were they were very much having the kind of conversations that are prolific now but back then were really quite unique yeah and like i remember one of my favorite episodes was tim ferris talking to the wrestler triple h and he was talking about how he gets over jet lag and how he trains and it was just what i really appreciated about it was getting to wear somebody else's mindset for yeah. an hour two hours and because in my mind, everything was negative and I was rubbish and I was never going to amount to anything and everyone was better than me and the world was against me. To be able to put my earphones in and to see the world through the eyes of somebody who would be like, oh, I can do anything, anything is possible. Um, And I've done these things, so I know I can do that thing. For me, it was just like, like I would not put my headphones in and I would be in black and white with rain pouring on me and I'd put the headphones in and the sun would come out and I'd be in Technicolor. So that's why I wanted to start the podcast, but I didn't really, I thought, well, I'll do something beauty related. But what I didn't realize was just that because I had a a very extensive black book of significant people in the industry, I just thought, well, I'll do podcasts with them. I'll find out about them. And it was only when I really had the breakdown, I was like, I've basically been saying, help me in every episode, like, and every single thing I would come to is tell me about how you got over the difficult stuff. Like you're really successful now. How did you do it? Because I need to know. I need to know. Tell me. (laughs) Like, tell me. So, and then I, I properly, I properly, properly broke down. I prop and, and actually it was the best thing that could have ever happened because everything that I believed about myself and about the world up to that point was really serving me poorly. Yeah. I built up a very negative picture of everything. And if I'd carried on like that, I would have, let's not even go there. Let's not pull it that thread. And it was fundamentally the conversation you have to have with yourself. And often a therapist is there or guides you through this where you have to say, 
the reason I'm here and actually I'll just go back one step. I went to my GP several times and he kept saying, if you come back, I'm putting you on antidepressants. And I remember really emphatically saying to him, I don't need antidepressants. I'm making terrible decisions. I am hanging around with the wrong people. My self-esteem is in the toilet. I have been on a downward spiral because of what I have done for years. And so I know in my heart that the way out of this is to make better choices. I just need to know what those choices are and how to make them. And so that's why he said, okay, well, if you come back again, I'm definitely putting on antidepressants, but go and have talking therapy. And so actually to, to say, oh my God, I'm so miserable and it's all my fault. was great. Cause you yeah. stop blaming the world then. And then you can go, well, I can't fix the world. I can't that's a very me. powerful position to be in as well, because yeah. people go their whole entire lives without getting to that point and stay with that kind of negative view. And it's very empowering and kind of almost inspiring to hear someone else say it. It's a fair play to that. That's I, yeah. Huge respect for that. Oh, thank you. And I do feel like on my recovery, like if I have a period of time where, so there's this great thing I had, I think I had this on a Tim Ferriss podcast where um, he said something like, if you go out in the morning and you interact with a load of people and one of them is a dickhead, then they're a dickhead. If you go out in the morning and you interact with a load of people and everyone's a dickhead, then you're the dickhead. Oh, yeah. And so I, <laughs> and so now I can very much, and it can happen when you're a bit tired. Like yesterday I had a full day of meetings and I got annoyed by somebody on the train. And then when I was coming off the train, I went to go and get a coffee and I was like, oh, it's taking a really long time. I was like, oh, no, you, no, you no, don't be the dickhead. <laughs> you're being the dickhead. It's just, you have had, you haven't had any understanding or compassion for anyone around you because you're a bit tired and you're a bit grumpy and yeah. you didn't want anyone to sit near you. And, but, but you're on public transport. So people are going to sit near you. So suck it up, buttercup and don't be the dickhead. <laughs> Because it can happen. You can just. That's the soundbite. <laughs> Got it. You can use it with my pleasure. So, yeah. So, I, I do think, I do think that it's kind of, look, don't get me wrong. Things do happen. Yeah. And think, and, and crappy things happen to people. Uh, but equally, it, that a lot of it is on you, the yeah. individual. So, uh, that's, that's where I try to come back to. It's like these interactions with these people have been really poor. Is it because they're a wanker or is it because I'm a wanker? <laughs> And I can't and make no, I can't make them not be, but I can make me not be. Yeah, it's the accountability, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. like what you're putting out into the world. That's, but I, I guess as well, it's kind of like that will never end. That kind of journey and that kind of self awareness, I guess, to be like, mm-hmm. okay, it's not everyone else's fault. I'm going to have to take some accountability here for what, my, like my actions. That kind of you know that tut or that kind of mm. or even beep i guess <laughs> you can go back to like <laughs> what we were saying at the beginning yeah that you know you don't know the impact of your actions to other people to kind of you know you, i think you do need to be a little bit i mean a lot of self-awareness obviously can be seen as a negative thing but it's also quite a very powerful thing to have how you use it isn't it Taylor? yeah it is <laughs> <laughs> how you use it (laughs) i'm excited about this so i kind of round each one of my episodes up with three questions and you touched upon it earlier on in the episode when you mentioned guns and roses yeah now this is this year i'm going to glastonbury for the first ever time 
and they're rumoured to be headliners. And all I've done since I heard that rumour is listen <laughs> to Guns and Roses. Are you just and use it... your illusion one and two on repeat after the destruction? <laughs> like, what's your favourite? So you, you might, like, punch me here, but there's an album that Slash did, and they there's a version of... Um, Paradise City. Snake Pit. I don't know the album, what it's called. I should have, literally, I should have had this ready. Um, <laughs> what about, I didn't know you threw the wood, the, <laughs> found him in the woodworks for this. And it's a cover of Paradise City with Fergie and Cypress Hill. And I'm a fan of the original, but there's something about that song that I'm just, especially in the gym, I'm like, oh my God, some, I'm having some kind of outer body like experience. I need to find that because he did, <laughs> so he did, Slash a snake pit with Duff McKagan. Sorry if you're not into Guns N' Roses, we're now massively kicking <laughs> out. Um, but yeah, he did Slash a snake pit, which was amazing. There was someone else in the band from another band, anyway. But I listened to that album and thought it was great because. But yeah, Guns N' Roses. I yeah, I still remember the day. My dad was in the bathroom. I was listening to Usual Illusion too, and I was fully doing the bit from getting the ring yeah. <laughs> and he came flying out of the bathroom dressed in gown and going what are you doing as I'm like Bob Guccione Jr I can still do it we can do it when we finish recording I can still do it to this day I've still got it <laughs> I've still got it I'll never lose it oh my god brilliant but to be fair okay so the, the original one <laughs> Sorry. is if there needs to be a song to get Emma on the dance floor what song is it? The thing is, I don't have eclectic taste. I hate it when people say eclectic taste and then they say um, really quite kind of mainstream stuff. Yeah. Uh, it it really does depend on my mood. Uh, so in terms of dance floor, I'm just now thinking about disco. I wasn't going to say disco because yeah. I knew you were going to ask this, but something disco-y, something really... Uh, like, a, I tell you the song that I absolutely love, that it makes me want to become a spinning instructor so that I can take a class <laughs> and have this as part of the climb. It's so specific. A, it's I know it is. I mean, obviously we spend a lot of time in our own heads. Um, it's a remix. I'm going to actually open my phone now and, get, and check the name. It's a remix of a Selena Gomez song. And it is Keep My, uh, keep my Hands to Myself. Can't oh, Keep My okay. Hands to Myself. Um and it's that's got a funky little like kind of exactly. I don't know, that was probably that I'm not musically gifted in the slightest. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it absolutely is. Um it absolutely is that kind of but the remix is so banging that it again it's this transcendent experience, and it's the I think it's the beta blocker something. I will find it. And so you can put it, the link in the show notes. But it is so good and it's like seven minutes long and it's got this slow build and it's got this great beat. And it's, I mean, I wouldn't want to see me dancing to it. <laughs> it would definitely be some sort of interpretive stuff. Hate but, um, <laughs> Wuthering Heights, well, that's going to get you on the dance floor, isn't it? Every time. Or just I don't even have to be place. on a dance floor. I can literally just be on the way to work. And I'm. Yeah. Just <laughs> and that's why this... people are beeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stop doing your interpretive yeah. dances. I'm trying to walk here. Um, so anything with a with a sort of like old school Madonna, yeah, will get me up. Bit of Britney, bit of slave for you. But um, just, yeah. With the snake. and I, 
I love a remix. <laughs> I love a remix. So Britney Spears at the nine, uh, was it nineteen ninety nine or year two thousand MTV Music Awards? Awards. Yeah, where she did she opened with Satisfaction and then she went into Ooh, I did it again. But it was a <laughs> drum and bass version. Is absolutely incredible. I feel like we're the same person. This is what I listen to in the gym. I listen to fake Super Bowl concepts <laughs> because I do something about like just different arrangements and just kind of like the whole mashup thing of <laughs> yeah, them together. Totally, totally. So that's the kind of thing that will get me up on the yeah. dance floor. A good bop. Love that. On the flip side of that, mm-hmm. is there a song that kind of pulls on the feels or makes you want to be in a music video maybe? All of them. Um, <laughs> so recently, the song that has been giving me all the feels, and I haven't been doing interpretive dancing, but I have been doing interpretive miming, is All I oh, Ask okay. by Adele. Ah. Uh, which is uh, great. Yeah. Which is really good. And it's also the performance that she did on Ellen, is mm. to be very specific, is the one that I have just, like, at the end of the day, I think, oh, and then another one, because there's never just one, so I'm sorry. Yeah. You can, no, you can edit this down. I'm loving this. There's also a performance by Hart um, and, and Nancy Wilson. Um, it's not the Philharmonic one, but it's about seven or eight years old. Yeah. And it's just the guitar, but they are accompanied by an orchestra and they do alone. And the vocal is, I mean, it's insane. And it's yeah. this, again, I really like those songs that have that really slow, gentle build and then they just crack open. And you're like, oh my God, I feel everything. <laughs> so that is one that I absolutely adore. And then another one, and I, it's on my sort of like my Spotify mix. So I sometimes on the train home will listen to that if I'm coming back from London. And it happened yesterday whereby have it on shuffle don't know what's going to come up and then the 10 minute version of all too well by taylor swift comes on and just that opening five seconds just makes me physically just makes me go and then i'm on the journey where i'm heartbroken and he's unreasonable and she's in the right and we will get our revenge <laughs> your face changed when you said that like you you said that with with your chest <laughs> Do you like Taylor Swift? I do. I I'm not like a mega fan, but I do no. appreciate like what she does. Like she, I've I've seen her a few times. So have you? I'm seeing her. Yeah. I'm seeing her. Oh yeah, I'm seeing her next month. So I'm excited about that. But I encourage you if you like all too well, or if someone's yeah. listening to this and you like all too, all too well, because it's brilliant storytelling. For me, she's like Dolly Parton in, t- in the way yeah. that she storytells the music, and when she did Saturday Night Live, where she debuted the 10 minute version, that performance is off the freaking charts. So. Because <laughs> my oh, algorithm's going to be like even more similar to yours now. <laughs> All these recommendations. There's a look she gives to the camera after one particular line and you're like, oh, I am genuinely scared. <laughs> like, okay. Is that, is that the way that like, you kind of end the performance that you do on the train at home? <laughs> Like just that glare. <laughs> Someone. Well, I try. I hope I don't, but I'm not discounting it. <laughs> music takes it. over sometimes. It, it does. It really, it really takes over a hundred percent. Yeah. Okay, so I have one final question for you. Now I feel like you're very honest, so I feel like I'm quite excited for this one. Okay. If there was a song that you could put into a box, seal the lid, and just kind of push it to the side and never ever hear again, what would it be? The Grease Medley or Come On Eileen. 
<laughs> Straight away. <laughs> yes. If I hear either of those, that is my cue to leave wherever Ick. I am. I want to be sick. I don't know. At some point in my life, I enjoyed Greece and I enjoyed Common Eileen, but they have been, they have unfortunately been, been bastardized by yeah. bad DJs <laughs> who have just made me loathe and detest, loathe and detest them so, so much. In fact, I would actually say there's a lot of tracks from the 80s that have that impact on me. And it, it, I'm sure it comes down to discos. Legend. Honestly, you've made my day. So yeah, thank likewise. you for joining me. Have an excellent one. I'll speak to you very I'll speak to you in yes. a couple of minutes with the Selena <laughs> yes. Gomez reference. All right. Mwah. All right, sweet Jesse. Bye. Bye. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You've been listening to the Waffle Shop Podcast with me, Taylor James. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and even leave a review. It means the world to me. See you soon.